And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 162, a.k.a. season 2, episode 30. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And, you know, we do we do the show as a call-in, and I give out the numbers, and you don't call. Um, and we're early today. We're like, we're recording at an odd time. So if you're able to call in, good luck. Uh, how'd you find us? But I'll give out the numbers anyway, just, just to keep that flowing in your brain. Maybe you'll memorize it like I did. Uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you this week, MC? Um, not much. Uh, there's a lot going on in the world uh, as, as usual, but, um, what about, what about North Korea? Um, do you think this, uh, this peace is going to last or, uh, somebody going to, uh, gum it up and, and, you know, cause a lot of people would be really upset if there was peace somewhere in the world. So, um, foreign intervention yeah. will gum it up. <laughs> um, I know. I know. After last week's show, our our you know sometimes co-host Bron Santo wanted to like come back on and talk about Syria, and unfortunately, uh, we we forgot to tell him that we're recording early today, so he's not going to be with us. Um, so yeah, a lot going on in the world that, but everyone's forgotten about that already because of the the North Korean South Korean peace treaty, um, and I I think the the most uh, prescient piece of news. Regarding that, aside from like the the actual, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna end the war talk. Um, I think it was like the stock price of Lockheed Martin like spiraling out of control. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if if anyone if anyone's gonna gum it up, I would I would think it's gonna be you know the the people who profit from war, right? Um, if 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 there's no battle to be fought, then those guys are out of business. So there's there's a a financial incentive. Um, to 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 keep people in conflict, to keep adversarial relationships going, and and to keep um, wars going on around the world. So do I do I think it will last? Um, you know, I the the headline that I read that said it wasn't even a thing yet, right? It said you know the the two guy the the two presidents are signing documents as a pledge to end the war, right? Not that the war is over at at this point, right? There was you know. Maybe some, maybe some like more recent news came out shortly thereafter, but that that's what I read so far. So, you know, I, I'm I'm always in a wait and see mode, um, especially when it comes to North Korea, right? Like it's it's a little weird having you know Kim Jong Un as the president um, still, because no one's you know he's he's been a little bit different than his father, but just as uh, dic- dictatorial, I guess. Um, but maybe he's changing, right? I mean, you know, maybe, maybe moves like this, like I, I watched the video of them, you know, crossing over each other's border for the first time in decades. And, you know, he, he actually looked jovial, um, naturally, right? Like he didn't look like he was pandering to the cameras. Um, you know, so, so maybe he knows something that we don't know, uh, obviously. Um, but uh, who knows if it's a, if it's a, it's a, if it's a, genuine move um on his part to 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 finally make peace right like i don't know what's going on in his head your thoughts mc um yeah i, I have no idea but um i i thought it was funny that everybody keeps trying to give credit to trump because trump threatened him with nuclear war and now they're gonna give up give up uh their nukes or whatever and 
that might not have anything to do with it. Like, right. People people want to give themselves so much credit. Like, oh, the U.S. has is 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 you know has the U.S. changes everything. You know. <laughs> the term I keep hearing without the U.S. The term I keep hearing thrown out is like 4D chess. Right. Like Trump is playing on a whole nother level than everybody else. Yeah. So like, yeah. well, how how do you get peace in Korea? You threaten them with nuclear war, and all of a sudden, you know, look look what happens, right? Like, you know, causation and correlation. Right. But, yeah, who who knows what the motivation really is? Yeah. And then uh, I, I've heard from other, you know, suppose I can't remember their names, but insiders. Sources. Yeah, sources. <laughs> really important sources, like they say on the news. Uh, unnamed, of course. Co- close to Trump that said he just doesn't. He doesn't care about Syria, so I'd like to hear Bronson's thought on on that. That's kind of what I think. He doesn't really care. He's just well, that that was whatever. That was part of our discussion, like a few weeks ago. I don't really think I. My opinion was that he doesn't really care about any of that. Like that's that's not his focus, and he's kind of. But he does. He does care about starting a trade war. (laughs) Well, yeah, and again, from from two weeks ago, that's in his wheelhouse, though. Right. As as a crony capitalist business person. Right. Trade war. Definitely up his alley. Like in 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 his realm of what he would consider his expertise. Right. I don't I don't think he knows enough. Right. On his own. He he won't admit it, though, because he's Trump, though. Right. But like on his own, I don't think he knows enough about like actual foreign war uh, to to make educated. He doesn't choices on it he doesn't know enough about foreign trade war either <laughs> well I mean, this is gonna be bad he, he you're he's wrong you're right but at least it's in it's in his scope of what he would consider to be his expertise right like i, I think if you had an honest conversation with trump right like off the record you know man mono and mono man to man he would think that he's an expert on on trade and business and and you know the art of the deal Right, yeah, I, I, I think in private conversations he would admit that he has no, he's clueless um, about like you know actual war, not trade war, but you know violent, violent incursionary type wars. Right, like I don't, that's yeah. not in his wheelhouse. Yeah, so even though he's wrong about the trade war, he yeah. at least thinks he's right. And the reason he doesn't tra- care about war, the actual trade war, war can can certainly lead to real war, though, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, again, not siding with him. Not saying that he's right. Clearly, he's clearly he's making a mistake, um, but he cares because he thinks he's an expert in that area. Is what I'm saying. He doesn't care yeah, about Syria yeah. because he knows he's not an expert in that area. So it's not. It makes it. He 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 doesn't care, and he shouldn't care. And he you know, like his old tweets say, should just get out. Um, and now with you know now with peace in North Korea, like what are what are the Trump storm well, the the tweet storms going to say now? You know, look, look, I you know peace in North Korea, peace on, in you know in Asia, uh, and you know moving on to the Middle East next, right? Like you know let's go bomb some peace out of those people, or at least threaten it, right? If if the if the threat of nuclear war is what it takes, well then you just threaten everybody, and then all of a sudden you know not not real peace, but a type of you know unspoken you know fear throughout the population of the world yeah i i don't think north korea uh is is talking peace because of possibility of nuclear war i think it's probably 
because he got out a little bit and he enjoyed it. <laughs> he enjoyed himself. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's probably a more personal uh, yeah. issue. With Kim Jong-un, you're talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and you know, there there's a was an old Mark Twain quote that I'm not going to quote, but I'll like paraphrase as best I can. It basically says, um, world travel ends all prejudice or something to that effect. Cause the more yeah. you get out, the more you experience other people and other cultures, the more you realize they're, they're like you and less of a thing to be afraid of. Um, so if, you know, if, if, if you're Kim Jong-un who, who unfortunately for him, right? Like has been isolated himself his entire life, right? Yeah, Didn't know. Really. I mean, he, he went to school in Europe and stuff too, I think. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's, he, you know, he's, there's a difference between like going to school in Europe and going to school in Europe, like the son of a dictator with all the, you know, protections that come with that. Right. You know, like, I mean, I'm not claiming to know what he went through when he was in school, but he he didn't, he wasn't just in in North Korea. Right. I'm not, and and that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's, there's, there's ice, there's different forms of isolate. Like we just watched kick-ass right again. So the, the, the son, the guy who becomes, um, Oh shoot, the red guy. The bad guy. The, red the, mist. Red mist, right. Him as like the son as the son of a of a wealthy individual, right, experiences a form of isolation even though he's in school with everybody else. Right? Because he's got the bodyguard, you know, he's not he he's not allowed to have the friends. And so the you know, even 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 presidents of the United States, right, and, and those families, they're kind of in a form of prison because they're surrounded by so much security that prevents them from doing things like the average person would. And so I'm saying if you grow up in that environment, there's, there's, there's an isolationary aspect to it that he's always experienced. And now, you know, and now you're saying when he's like, he's going out on his own, sure. He's got the protections, right. But he's also, you know, kind of going through, um, I would say like, you know, an adolescent phase, even though he's a lot older than that like a mentally adolescent phase where he's like, wow, you know, this, this is what else is out there. This is what else, you know, the, the world quote unquote has to offer. Um, and like you said, MC, you know, he's having fun. Right. And that's, you know, that's a, that's another great way to break down the barriers. Like, wow, you know, you get out there, you do some things and all of a sudden, you know, it's okay to open it up. You don't have to be as, as isolationist or as isolated as he once was. Um, and then since he's the man in charge, right, he, he's, he gets the final say on whether or not he gets to step over to the Korean, the South Korean side of the border or not. Right. So um, what do we got on uh, headlines? All right, here we go. Because other than that, it's been a slow week. But luckily for me, I got, got a lot of stuff done. Uh, headline. E-waste recycler sentenced to over a year in prison for fixing old PCs and selling them. A headline, The War on Waze, uh, the app, the W-A-Z-E app. A headline, Man Arrested After Police Mistake Dead Grandpa's Ashes for Heroin. A headline, Government Stolen Goods. Headline, If You Limit Any Speech, This Is What You Get. Headline, Net Neutrality is Officially Dead. That's a victory for free speech. Headline, uh, thousands of people in only one state have been in jail for over a year and never proven guilty. Headline, 67-year-old British man sentenced to eight months in jail for driving with laser jammer and flipping off the police. 
And finally, headline, uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't understand how jobs are created. Uh, <laughs> particular... <laughs> oh, they're all so good. You want to start with Bernie Sanders? Sure, why not? Uh, Bernie Sanders doesn't understand how jobs are created. Uh, there is a great deal of wisdom in the old saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And while most, if not all, of our elected officials would do well to remember this piece of advice, Bernie Sanders appears to need constant reminding. Uh, Sanders has made a habit of trying to make federal programs more akin to the Oprah Winfrey show, promising to provide market commodities like health care and college for free in the same way Winfrey gives away cars and gifts to her audience members. Uh, but unlike the Oprah Winfrey show, which was responsible for its own funding during its 25-year run, the government pays for its programs by levying taxes on the people. Of course, this small fact has not prevented Senator Sanders from continuing his quest to make all things free. Uh, during his presidential run in 2016, Sanders made free college a staple of his campaign. has even gone on record saying education should be a right, not a privilege. He has also been a proponent of free health care, which he also believes is a right. Echoing his sentiment towards higher education, Sanders commented on health care saying, health care must be recognized as a right, not a privilege. Uh, given this track record, which also happens to seem a lot like a broken record when it comes to how Sanders feel about rights and privileges, it should shock no one uh, that just a few days ago, Sanders announced that he will soon be unveiling his federal jobs proposal to guarantee every single American a job. While this is almost identical to the plot of an episode of House of Cards, Sanders' comments are somehow more terrifying than Frank Underwood's for the mere fact that Sanders is not a fictional character. But even though Sanders is a figure in the real world, that doesn't make his concept of full employment anything more than a fairy tale. Jobs aren't created out of thin air. Uh, when it comes to the specifics of this lofty proposal, Sanders says he is still in the very early stages of crafting his plan. In fact, no one on the Sanders team has given any indication to, as to how such a proposal would be funded, which seems like the running theme in most of Sanders' grand schemes. But it is suspected that, like many of his other projects, the jobs plan will be funded by ending tax breaks given to American business owners. But since this project specifically aims for increased employment, it would be a bold move to end tax breaks given to those responsible for creating American jobs. Uh, jobs are not created out of thin air. Jobs are a response to market demands, and when there is a need for new jobs, they are created and filled. No matter how much government may wish it could control every aspect of the market, it cannot control demand without facing economic implications. Jobs created for the sake of jobs simply do not help the economy because there is no reason for their existence to begin with. When the government does step in and create new jobs, the economy suffers. FDR's New Deal was supposed to end the Great Depression and raise employment rates across the country by creating new federal programs and infrastructure. But that's not exactly what happened. As economist Henry Hazlitt wrote in his book, Economics in One Lesson, for every public job created by a bridge project, a private job has been destroyed somewhere else. We can see the men employed on the bridge, we can watch them at work, but there are other things we do not see because, alas, they have never been permitted to come into existence. They are the jobs destroyed by the $10 million taken from the taxpayers. As Hazlitt reminds us, there's always economic implications that are unseen, even when the government may boast of apparent growth. Employment is no exception, even if Sanders is able to create jobs, since these positions do not arise from real market demand, but instead from by government mandate. The growth is not only artificial, but also extremely costly. But as is par for the course, Sanders never dwells too much on economic realities. Occupational licensing needs to be fixed, not funded. 
Another aspect of the plan promises to provide free training to those who are trying to find a job but are prevented from doing so because of barriers like occupational licensing. To give credit to Sanders, these hurdles standing in the way of would-be workers truly are a huge problem. Currently, more than 22% of American workforce is impacted by occupational licensing, and given the fields in which these licenses are prevalent, the numbers pose a huge problem. Licensure is usually for entry-level occupations. For, for those just beginning their careers, access to these jobs are integral in their success. If someone is looking for a means to escape poverty but then is prevented from doing so by because of an entry-level job requires costly state training and licensing, it becomes harder to break the cycle. Uh, one mother, for example, was prevented from earning a living washing hair in a salon because the state said she must first obtain an occupational license. Uh, we each wash our own hair on a regular basis without serious incidents occurring. However, this hasn't that hasn't prevented some states from requiring as much as 1,500 hours of training and charging $125 for the actual license to shampoo. And while that money may not seem like a lot to some, for those just barely managing to scrape by, $125 is a lot to ask for such an arbitrary regulation. And while Sanders clearly recognizes these impacts these state-required training and licenses laws have on those looking for work, his solution to the problem is severely lacking because he doesn't understand the cause. Under federal funds to pay for such training makes absolutely zero sense when most, if not all, are completely arbitrary to begin with. If Sanders concentrated his efforts on eliminating these barriers to employment, more Americans would have access to jobs. But would all we would all like to see lower rates of unemployment across the country, but we shouldn't ignore economic realities in order to chase the dream of employment for all. And by offering to pay for training instead of addressing the real problem standing in the way of employment, like the existence of occupational licensing, this proposal will do nothing more than put a band-aid over a substantial issue. Uh, so your thoughts on this article, MC, and uh, why you also hate Bernie Sanders? Um, well, I'm just against centralized control of anything, really. Um, I, I was going to talk about something else. Um, that, that came to my mind. Um, Go for it. Because uh, I, I often think about ways to bridge the gap between the, the left and the right, or, or even between you know like the socialists and the, the Marxists and all those evil things that you know I think are so bad. But um, they they have they have a problem with people that have more than they think they should have. And there's this real phenomenon where because if you get if you start getting successful, the chance the chances of you becoming more successful increase exponentially. And so the more you have, the more you can make basically. And and the more opportunities will come to you. And and it kind of just keeps spiraling towards more and more. Uh, and so that's why a very few uh, amount of people always end up with so much. And, and it doesn't matter which type of government or system it is, um, that accumulation always happens. So even under socialism, a very few amount of people end up with the majority of the power. Uh, even if it's not money, they still have uh, all that benefit. Um, just like, you know, uh, the government of Venezuela is not starving. Um, they get yeah, to reap all the, the benefits. Yeah, just the people. So um, it doesn't matter uh, what system you have. A very few amount of people always end up getting the power. So I'm trying to figure out 
Uh, now, in capitalism, it, it's not so much a problem because if if the rich are getting richer, but the poor are also getting richer, even if the gap is getting bigger and bigger, it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't really care if if some guy makes it and, and he decides he wants 20 Lambos and uh, five private jets. You know, like, it, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt me. Um, That's you know, the key. Good for him. Um, you know, I, I'm not always trying to keep up with the Joneses. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, what does matter is, is are people starving? And, you know, in the U.S., people are not starving. Um, if we do socialism, we'll have a greater chance of having bread lines um, or, or less, you know, um, who knows. But so the, the problem that the Marxists have is is that that uh, is the gap, the, the wage gap between uh, the, the rich and the poor. Um, so how to solve that? And I've come up with, uh, well, total freedom. If you have total freedom, um, you can do things that you can't do in our system right now. I was well, also going to say, we, does it need to be solved? We, well, it, sure. But, you know, listening to them, I want to throw them a bone, say, hey, come over to total freedom and figure out a way. Um, so if you have total freedom, you, you can come up with creative ways to solve your problem. And so the way I look at it is if somebody had, you know, a whole bunch of dollars and I'm like, oh, man, they've got all this money. You know, what are we going to do about that? You know, I can't just take it from them. That would be, you know, theft, right? Um, so another way to look at money is, well, what if, you know, I don't like the way he achieved that, that success and I don't, you know, I don't want to participate in the same system as he does. So instead of destroying his system, just make a new system for myself and everybody who likes my ideology and, and my system and, and, uh, whatever can, can start living on my system and, and supporting it. And all of a sudden, you know, the people who started this new system will become the, you know, the richest in, in this new system. And then they can, you know, and what, one of the big things about being really rich is that, is that you can, you can do good things with your money. And, and, uh, that doesn't always happen, of course. Um, uh, you know, either Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, or whatever, you know, they could, you know, supposedly, you know, end poverty around the world, but, you know, they're, they're, they do it in the ways that they want, right? And if um, you ask them, they're working on it. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe just not the way that you would want. And so, like I said, if you don't like this system, if you don't like the way they're doing things, uh, make your own system. And so the, the way that can be done is, ta-da, with uh, cryptocurrency. Um, so you could make your own, you know, Marxist coin, whatever. Uh, all the Marxists could start using it and trading it according to their own principles or whatever. And that would be that. Of course, you wouldn't benefit from the, the use of guns to force everybody to do what you want. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you have to use guns to get what you want, maybe, um, maybe it's not the best way. Um, so at the moment, we still have opportunities to, in, instead of trying to smash the state and smash the system, to create alternative systems, system, especially monetary systems. Okay. Um, 
that, that work in all sorts of different ways. And so I, you know, I've mentioned before the UBI coin or universal basic income coin. Um, it's not going to give people enough to, to live on or to eat off of uh, uh, at first. Um, but the idea is there. And I think a lot of people that, that resonates with a lot of people in the world, uh, you know, including the, the socialists and stuff like that. Um, and so I, rather than, than fight them, just show them, like, like just just do it. Like, uh, realize your dreams. <laughs> just <laughs> make it real, but without pointing guns at people. Just design it. Tell people it's good and awesome. If it is, people will participate. And, uh, you know, it's all up, uphill from there. Yeah. And, and I think, again, you're, you're, you're saying that as, like you said, throwing them a bone for their solution with, with free markets, right? We've, we've discussed on the show before, I'm not a big fan of universal basic income. And I don't, yeah. I don't, we don't, I don't think we need to get into that again, because that's a long discussion between you and me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, the, the free market provides the opportunity for those solutions. Right. And, and I was going to jokingly say, like, I've, 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 I don't know if I've like put it all on the air, but I've already solved this problem, you know, of, of unemployment a long time ago, right? I said, you just, you just create an entry level government job, um, called sitting on your ass and then you, you, you pay them. Right. And then everyone who's currently on, you know, unemployment or on welfare are all of a sudden, you know, employed, right. For doing the exact same thing that they were doing prior you just now call them employed because you have this new position called sitting on your ass um, that you get a that you get a paycheck for, right? So just so just like every every government job and every you know welfare payment and and everything like that um, comes out of the same pool of funds, right? The, you know the the tax money and the taxpayer funds and the money stolen from you know productive members of society and businesses. Um, since it comes out of the same funds anyway, you just you just you know fudge the numbers a little bit. Um, and, and solve, you know, solve the quote unquote unemployment problem that way. Um, as far as, you know, the, the socialist aspect of it. Um, yeah, you know, they, it's not, I want to be, again, we, we talked about this before. I want to be sympathetic to their end goal, right? It's just the, the methodology by which they go about doing it, um, is, is where I really have a problem, right? You, you want to pull people out of poverty, great you know that's that's a very that's a great goal to have well that's that's not even what the real problem is the the real problem is the gap they don't really care about the poor they don't well they say they would right because like like i said before is the gap really a problem like you said if if someone's it's not but it but it is a real problem in their head that they think they have to solve and so what i'm saying is there's ways to solve it without resorting to violence without resorting to government um and by just doing it and uh and i think i think some of these experiments are going to happen if if they don't i'm going to make them happen um and uh yeah so it's it's really the way i see it there's a bunch of brain damaged people and if you can't uh, figure out a solution for them they will they will point guns at you and kill you and so that's that's kind of what I feel like it's necessary okay. to uh, give them a, a different playing field um, because the, the, the current one we're, we're all forced on the on the dollar right now, 
Right. And and it's that's that's one of the big problems, but people can't see it because they're just so used to it. I mean, they 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 everybody puts everybody's wealth in in the form of dollars. Like like the CEO of Amazon, they say, "Oh, he's so rich." Well, you know what he has the most of is, is Amazon stock. So if you don't value Amazon stock, yeah. And if everybody didn't value Amazon stock, if everybody's like, "Ah, eh, we'll make a different Amazon." Uh, and uh, the the stock for Amazon would 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 plummet. Um, he's rich because everybody loves it, right? Yeah, it's, I seen a, I seen a headline this morning that the Google uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page each got paid a dollar in salary, right? But they're still billionaires because of you know their their shares of Alphabet, Google. Sure, sure. And I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if you look at it from my perspective. He's got a bunch of stuff that I don't want. I don't want his Amazon stock. To me, he's, it's not that great. I mean, I mean, yeah, he could sell it for dollars, and he could have a whole bunch of dollars. But then again, he's he just got dollars. You know, do I want a whole bunch of dollars? Not really. I want a whole bunch of Monero. And so, in in my position, you know, I'm, and I and I believe it. I'm going to be, you know, among the richest in the world. Uh, because I have something that is replacing the old system, so it's you know it's a big wealth transfer. If everybody all of a sudden decides, well, well, Monero or Bitcoin is going to be, uh, you know, what we what we think is valuable, right. um, and it doesn't have to be Monero or Bitcoin. It could be something else. Like I said, if somebody made a, a crypto coin that that automatically uh, built into its system gives 10% to the poor, you know, or 10% to unemployed people or whatever it is. And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's, that's great. You know, I could just contribute to this. It'll automatically get distributed to people that, that are going to use it, uh, you know, for whatever they want. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it's a cryptocurrency that's going to solve a problem. You know, if everybody likes that and starts trading with it, uh, and it gets distributed widely and, and so it, it could actually work. Uh, one of the problems with cryptocurrency is the distribution method. Um, one of the reasons why poor people don't get into it is because it costs a lot of electricity and and uh, uh, computer parts to to you know to mine it, and it's right. usually not worth it, right? So so a lot of people just can't even get into it, or you know it's not worth it to them. Um, it it is really good for banking, and if you it, if you're in a country that doesn't have a, a good banking system, um, that's a really good option. But um, you know, besides that, like most people just don't have an interest in getting into it. You know, so is when people start coming up with with uh, interesting new ways to to get into it, and um, and it'll it'll really it'll really take off, and it'll it'll change the landscape. You know, people won't care about dollars anymore, and I don't care how many dollars they have. It's just not going to matter. Um, you know, anybody will be able to achieve what they want. And, uh, yeah, same thing with stocks, you know, um, it, it might've been hard to get into the stock market before. Uh, but with, with cryptocurrencies, you can, you can make a token you can base your company on that. You can raise funds and, uh, you, you can, you can promise that, that eventually you'll buy the stocks back with your profits and you'll probably be lying because you could just make a new token. But <laughs> yeah, but you see where I'm going. You have, you have total freedom to, to create 
the type of reality that you want. You don't have to ask the state to do it. You don't have to ask the state to point guns at people uh, to get what you want, and because you know, that would just be wrong. People don't understand that. Whatever. <laughs> right. And and to be fair, I hear everything you're saying, and I I agree with you from a free market perspective. What I disagree with, though, is I I don't think that even cryptocurrencies, right, is going to solve the quote unquote problem of the gap, right. Like no, no matter how many cryptocurrencies there are, no matter how many you know tokens get issued, um, there there is going to be there's going to be a wealth gap, right? That's that's it, I again I don't I don't see it as a problem needing a solution, and I also don't think that there is a non-state solution to solve that problem. Yeah, right. Well, I, I think it, the gap the gap will always be there, but. Yeah, the, the kind of the kind of gap we have now is is kind of uh, there, there's a lot of benefits to um, monopolistic behavior in in our sort of capitalism. Sure. Um, and and so if we took the government out of the equation, that gap would shrink because there would be no reason to have the monopolies because you know if you didn't have to uh, pay off the government to get favors for your company, right? Then or if you couldn't get favors for your company, then there would be more competition. So I, I really believe that the gap would shrink. We'd have more companies and, and more distribution of wealth. And uh, you know, even like even in the medical industry, it's just it's so horrible. It's hard to get into. Um, if, if you got rid of a, a, a type of, a, I mean, you have to have a license to start a hospital. <laughs> like it's just we'd have more hospitals <laughs> you know yeah and and again but i i can foresee i can foresee a future right where even even with all the with all the parity with all the competition you know with with you know the 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 economists will say well with with perfect competition right every everything is e equaled out but i can see i don't think that's a possibility and i can foresee a future where the socialist goes well even with ubi coin Right where everyone gets something, um, and everyone gets the same something, right? The people that choose to do more, the people that provide more value to society, will end up wealthier. And you're going to get a socialist who says, oh, "Well, sure. the the UBI for the poor people should be higher than the rich people, so that the the total payments equal out." Right, like the 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 wealthy person getting you know a hundred dollars. Uh, extra, uh, you know, let's, sure, let, sure. let's say UBI is like ten bucks, yeah, and they get an, they make an extra ninety. Stop. Then they'll say the poor people should get UBI of a hundred instead of ten, right? So the, the 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 gap the gap is always there. There's no real solution for it because you know people who people who add value to society will find a way to get wealthy, and people who don't add that much value to society will find a way to stay poor, um, and the people who want them to be equal. Right, will always fight for that. If if you're saying that's what the problem is, if you're saying it's not poverty and it's a wealth gap, right, then then they're they're fighting. It's you know it's it's an infinity war. Um, it's a it's an everlasting battle that can never be won, um, even in a free market scenario, because it's not really a problem. I got to reiterate. I have to reiterate that part. It's not really a problem. It's but only it, a problem in it, the minds of people. Yeah, it is, but it's. To them, it's real. 
It's like, oh my gosh, we have to do something about it. And you, you don't have to do anything about it. But like I said, I, I really believe that if we got rid of the government, uh, then the it, it wouldn't matter as much how much wealth somebody else had because you can always come up with a solution to, to meet them there um, that doesn't involve guns. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, and that part I agree with, right? If you, if you eliminate the state, right, they'll, they'll have to come up with other ways to, to solve the problem, but they, they still won't, right? It'll, it'll, it'll revert back to wanting to use violence because that would be the only, the only means left, right, of making sure that the, the rich people give their fair share back uh, to the poor people, even though yeah. both ways are unearned. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no way to figure out what the fair share is. Yeah. Well, as long yeah. as it's equal, right? Then that's you know, you you pay the poor person enough to equal what the rich person is getting, and you you know you balance that out in the middle, and that's 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 what they would say the fair share would be. Yeah, but the rich person sets his own sets his own game, games, not anybody else. So how would you? Well, that's why I'm saying it reverts back to the state. You you would have yeah. you would have to. Um, it would have to be from. It would have to be a violent means using some sort of state tactics. Otherwise, it's just. It, otherwise, the problem remains, and the socialist will never ever get there. Will never ever close that gap to their satisfaction. Anywho, next article. Sure. Headline. Oh, you, any place you want to go from here? Otherwise. Oh no no go ahead okay. just uh, pick I, one. I want to read this one because it's funny, even though it's, it's tragic, but funny. 67-year-old British man sentenced to eight months in jail for driving with laser jammer and flipping off the police. Uh, there's a video in the article. So if you go to our, our, uh, our Facebook page or our group page, um, you, know, you, you can go ahead and watch a video there. Otherwise, I'm just going to read the article. North Yorkshire Police Department bragged about making their streets safer after throwing a 67-year-old man in jail for eight months for perverting the course of justice uh north yorkshire police tweeted top tip if you want to stay out of trouble don't do what this driver did and swear at our mobile safety cameras while driving past a car and uh driving past in a car fitted with a laser jammer today he's beginning his eight month sentence in jail for perverting the course of justice uh and the picture is great i love that guy like (laughs) not all heroes wear capes uh, reading back into the article, according to the North Yorkshire Police website, a company director who fitted a laser jammer to his Range Rover and made rude gestures as he drove past police safety cameras has been jailed. Uh, Timothy Hill, 67, threw the device in a river behind his home in Grassington when he found out that officers had launched an investigation. But today he was jailed for eight months at the Teesside Crown Court and banned from driving for a year for perverting the course of justice. I hope he's serving that concurrently. Uh, Hill drove past North Yorkshire's police mobile safety camera vans on the A9 near Easton Wilt Thirst and Crafton on three occasions in December. On all three occasions, he was photographed gesturing at the camera with his middle finger. Police also detected a laser jammer on his white Range Rover. Uh, the judge who jailed Hill said such actions strike at the heart of the justice system and his sentence must act as a deterrent to others. Uh, it's good to know the UK police will eagerly jail a 67-year-old man for having a laser jam in his car while giving a robot the middle finger. However, returning ISIS fighters are giving housing and food by the UK government. Uh, people reacted instantly, uh, yada, yada, yada. It goes on for another uh, more tweets that I'm not going to read through. 
Uh, that's the gist of the story. Uh, like I said, I love this guy. Your thoughts, MC, on on flicking off the the camera? That's <laughs> well, pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say <laughs> besides good on him. You know. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that stuck out to me in the article itself was the the sentencing. Right. The, the judge who jailed Hale said such actions strike at the heart of the justice system and his sentence must act as a deterrent to others. So it's not even <laughs> it, it, it's not even that the the sentence is commensurate with the crime. Right. It's an it's a it's an overreaction. It's a it's a it's a perversion of real justice, uh, because if this were real justice, right, the 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 punishment would be commensurate with the crime. Um, this is this is them uh, setting an example and using and jailing this guy, um, you know, much like Ross Ulbricht here, um, to, you know, b bigger jail sentence, but similar idea um, to set an example. So other people don't do this. Right. It's it's not it's not that flicking off the camera or using a laser jammer is, is so bad of a crime, so heinous an act. Right. You know, no victim, no crime type of thing. Uh, but the mere fact that he had the balls to do it and to stand up to, you know, the state, even though it's the British state, right, means that they got to, you know, throw the book at him um, and, and put him in jail for eight months, right? Eight, eight months for, for giving the, you know, giving the, or what they claim to the, like the robot, the middle finger three times. Uh, and, and, you know, the laser jammer, that's just smart, right? I, I, have you ever used the laser jammer or one of those things, MC? I didn't know they could jam lasers, but, uh, or the I radar detector, ra radar jammers and radar detectors. Yes, I didn't know they could jam lasers. So. I'm I I don't I I honestly unfamiliar with the technology myself. Although there was one time, um, I was coming home like on the freeway, and there was like a Porsche, and the Porsche like just blew by me, right? Just woof, and it was gone. Right. And I was excited because when, when I see, you know, what I'm going to say, like, you know, souped up cars or supercars like that, I, I'm, I'm proud. Right. I'm like, you know, good on good on you for, for driving your car the way it was meant to be driven. Like, I hate it when I catch up to a Porsche on my moped in the uh, in the <laughs> slow lane. Right. Like, like, get get a move on, man. Like, I'm sure you can afford it, but like drive it like it's supposed to be driven. That's my general feeling. Um, but the Porsche like blew by me. Right. And then all of a sudden, like way up ahead, he was just parked in the shoulder, just chilling in the shoulder lane. And I went, oh, man, you know, I wonder, I wonder what happened. Right. And I and as I got further up ahead, um, there was a cop with, you know, his radar gun. Out. So I'm, I'm sure the Porsche had, you know, a, a radar detector jammer or or some device where he went, oh, shit, I'm going to get caught. Right. And he just like was waiting it out. Because the cops, they, they get you like a mile away, um, and then they got to wait, right? They got to wait for you to catch up. They can't go back, and, you know, they can't go the wrong way to catch you. They wait for you to catch up, and then as you pass by. Um, so I think he was, like, waiting it out to make sure that, you know, the, the cop was either gone or that he was going to be able to exit or get out of the way somewhere where they weren't going to be able to get to him before he was able to, you know, escape their clutches. Because he was flying. It, it would have, you know... Not that I agree with the law, but it would have been, you know, it would have been an excessive speeding ticket, which is usually, you know, uh, uh, asset forfeiture of the vehicle sometimes and, and you know, license suspension and all that. I'm, I'm sure any way to avoid that is, you know, would be a good thing. But I just thought it was funny, right? Like, 
you know so people people who drive fast they use that stuff right you know because if you're going to drive the way you're meant to be driven um you, you got to be able to avoid it and there's nothing there's nothing necessarily wrong with speeding right you, you so what you go fast and you know and what until until you cause an accident or cause damage uh or you know put someone else in danger um there's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong uh, with speed as, as it relates to like danger right am i am i wrong on that the, do, you, do you think speeding is a dangerous activity mc um yes and no i was i was an irresponsible 16 year old uh but um yeah user entered oh. your channel oh it's a tough tough call yeah who that hi bronzanto oh shit he made it we talked about you yeah. for a little bit bronzanto um the MC forgot to give you the notice that we we started the show early today because of some conflicting uh, activities. Uh, so glad to have you. Um, we were just talking about oh, a 67 year old who uh, is starting a jail sentence of eight months um, for flipping off the speed camera while using a laser jammer. Um, so you don't want to <laughs> do you want to jump in and, and talk about that guy for a little bit? Oh, did you guys already discuss the uh, monkey mask and giraffe mask guy? Uh, we did not get to your comments on it yet. No. Oh, so if yeah. you want to talk about that, <laughs> so, go for it. Well, there was this other guy in Arizona who defeated that system by just wearing a monkey mask. And he, he ended up racking up 37 tickets, several thousand dollars worth of fines. Um, but because of the, the nature of the law, it says that you're basically given four options. One, you admit guilt and you just pay the fine. Two, you say that it wasn't you and you, you prove that by attaching a picture of your driver's license. And there's like two other things you can do. So he went with option two, which is to <laughs> attach a photo of his driver's license and compare it to the photo that they had of him with the monkey mask. <laughs> He'd say, clearly that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> So he did this 37 times. Um, and so eventually what happened as I, if I'm not getting, cause this, this happened a while back and I'm just going on memory, but I think eventually they were, they staked out his house and like followed him undercover for like a week and fi finally found like salt observed him putting on the mask. And uh, then they took the mask as evidence and all that. So they got it. They busted him eventually, I think. Nice. There was also another one where, it, which was an even better prank. Um, I think it was in Britain as well, um, or Australia. Maybe Australia. Those those are like more pranksters. Uh, they they uh, socially engineered the van driver that you know parks the the speed camera um, in in their neck of the woods, and while 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 talking to him and like asking him questions about the camera. Um, one of the guys snuck around to the front of the vehicle and unscrewed the license plate. And so they put the, the camera for the, um, the license plate for the speed camera van on their car and then blew by the speed camera, you know, uh, you know, however many times they did racking up ticket after ticket, um, as the speed, as the speed camera, like, you know, got their license plate and issued the ticket to them. Um, issuing itself, you know, all the tickets to, to the speed camera. <laughs> That's great. So any anything like that, right? Like I said, you know, like uh, all heroes don't wear capes, but anything to, you know, um, 
what what I've, I've heard described as like monkey wrenching the system or you know things like that um always always good times always makes you uh, a, a hero in my book um i, I you know I, I was familiar with the monkey mask guy before um and yeah you know it's 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 just it's just a way to 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 like i said just stick it back to him right like i like yeah i don't need to share any more court stories at least today um but any chance, any chance I get where I can just, you know, be a, be a dick, um, on my own to them because they're, they've already ruined my day, right? Anytime I can like, just, just wedge it in a little bit more, um, is always, is always fun times. And so when guys like this and, you know, monkey mask and the speed trap camera guys, you know, they do their thing. I saw a picture online. It was a dude standing in front of the speed camera van with an umbrella, just standing in front of the van, just so the speed camera only saw, only could take a picture of the umbrella. Right. You know, just things like that make me smile, make me happy and make me laugh that, that at least knowing someone's out there um, fighting back in their own special way. You, you know, what's really bizarre about uh, these speed, the ticket cameras and all that is that they're wildly unpopular with the public and the people who pass this legislation. They know that they know that the public know invariably the public is not who, who's demanding speed cameras. It's always the local government, and it's always for the specific reason of raising revenue that they know. It's like kind of like taxes. Like, nobody really supports a tax increase, especially if you're like a property owner. You, you know, you're almost invariably not going to be in favor of it. But they they kind of have to strike this balance between the public definitely not supporting these speed cameras and them having to raise this revenue. And I, I, don't, I don't know. They just somehow manage to sneak it by every time. Well, because they don't care, right? Like it's never – it's they, they may claim that it's about, you know, public interest and public safety and public good. Um, but it's always it's always about revenue. And it's, it's weird that it was so long ago, right, at this point. Um, but at one point when, they, when all the bailouts happened, right, there was like an outcry. Uh, to the to the National Congress in the United States, right? Like, we don't want to bail them out. And people were writing letters and calling their congressmen. And it was like something like 98%, you know, against the bailouts and only 2% of people were like, oh, no, it's okay. No, no problem, dude. <laughs> and they they didn't care, right? They like they, they passed all the bailouts, um, you know, quantitative easing. They, they listened to, you know, 0% of the people, uh, as it were, you know, for, for the most part. Um, and it, it just, just to, just to get their cronies, their buddies, you know, the, the funding that they need to stay in business and continue the lobbying efforts. So, you know, if, if it wasn't before, right, the, the, the pretense of doing it for the public and doing what's right for the constituents should have been lost at that moment, right? Like that, that should have been the end of all trust. Um, if you had any before that, right. Cause I'm sure we can, we can continue to roll back time, um, where, where, you know, there was a, a public outcry for one, for legislation to move one way and Congress, uh, and, you know, the president's ignoring that completely and going the other way. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's numerous historical examples, um, that should set people off and go like, well, clearly this is the wrong way to do things. Right. But then you get a new president, you know, a new, new Congress and you're like, oh, we're just going to reelect, you know, uh, uh, vote the bastards out. Right. And then the new people come in and like, all right, we got new people. And then they do the same shit. 
<laughs> yeah, every time. And the cycle goes around, and the people like the the, the short term memory of people are so bad, right? That they that they lose it. Like you know, with within a four year span, they forget um, what happened before, and they go like, no, no, no. Yeah. This time it'll be different. Yeah, I've I've basically given up on you know the voting system. I, I've I gave up on that in like 2012, maybe 2008 even. But I just I don't see that as a meaningful way to change anything. I mean, they, it changes some things, and politicians are respond are they respond to some things from voters, but other things it's like they can just pass wildly unpopular bills and and, and laws and regulations that nobody really but also they're not paying enough attention and they're not going to do anything about it anyway so the politicians will just go with the policy yeah but but then yeah it's a hopeless it's a hopeless situation with voting (laughs) i mean you can try you can all you can do is hope for the best but it's probably not going to do anything All right. Um, we've only got a few minutes left uh, in in the show, Ron Santo, um, and I just got a note from from MC that he had to step away. So the last time uh, we were talking, mm. and we mentioned this at the beginning because we covered North Korea a little bit, um, you had something to say about Syria, and even though that news cycle has mm. passed us by, um, we'll give you like the the final few moments of the show to to get that off your chest because I know that's what you wanted to talk about today. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just I obviously don't support intervention in Syria. To me, it's just remarkable how gullible Americans actually are. Like, didn't we literally invade another country based on the the bogus nonsensical claim that wasn't backed up by any real evidence that Saddam had these massive stockpiles of weapons of mass destruction and we just have to invade and we we're getting there right in the nick of time before uh, before his stockpiles are, are going to be launched or something, right? It's like a ticking time bomb suitcase scenario. So we got a bomb, we got a bomb now, right now, not tomorrow. And it, it's just remarkable to me how how easily people can fall for this. Like this just happened not long ago. Like, and everyone agrees that Iraq was bullshit. You know, there's basically unanimous agreement on that. Most people know that by now. Uh, if you don't, then you're just retarded and, and beyond help. But most people know that. But at the same time, they're like, well, okay, Bush lied about Iraq. Obama lied about Libya. But Trump is so totally trustworthy and uh, honest that we should probably take his word on it when, when he says that, you know, that Syria is using WMD and and that we have to bomb right now or else he's going to use them again, even though like that was the last city in his war and the war's literally over now. But yeah. apparently he's just going to use, <laughs> he's going to gas someone else for some reason, for, for unexplained reasons. Yeah. Well, the recent news that came out was it wasn't even Assad's regime, right? It was like the rebels that were using, um, you know, poison gas on, on the populace. Um, and so it was like, you know, the, the bomb now, ask questions later, you know, shoot first, ask questions later philosophy about bombing civilians. Um, and I did I did see an interesting comic regarding it, right? They go like, well, why'd you, why'd you bomb Iraq? And it's like, well, we thought they might have weapons of mass destruction. It's like, well, why'd you bomb Libya? Well, we thought they might have weapons 
of mass destruction. Well, why'd you bomb Syria? Well, we thought they might have weapons of mass destruction. And it's like, well, why don't you bomb North Korea? It's like, are you crazy? We know they have weapons of mass destruction. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? like, that's they, the, they, and it's, it's, that's the one thing that makes me worry because Kim Jong-un, he must look at the what's happened to the other dictators who have voluntarily given up their WMD. You know, back when, back in, when 9-11 first happened, like, we were basically kind of still at war with Libya and Gaddafi, but it wasn't, like, a hot war or anything. But, I mean, you were definitely hostile. But right after 9-11, uh, you know, but the Bush administration, they reached out to Gaddafi, and they said, look, if you give up your WMD program, which you know you have, we know you have, you know you have, you've admitted to it already, if you give that up, we promise that we will never uh, invade your country. We'll never interfere in your local politics. You can, you can, you know, take our word on that. And you know, if if you do this for us and for the world, then you can count on us not to interfere in your politics. So Gaddafi took that deal. He's like, okay, you know, I, I, if you, as long as you promise that you'll never invade and never bomb, then we'll just go ahead and voluntarily give up our WMD program. Saddam did the same thing. He was forced to disarm, uh, you know, through war the first time. But then afterwards, he did voluntarily give it up because he did not want to get invaded. What happened to him? He got invaded. Same thing with Syria. They destroyed all of their chemical weapons stockpiles in 2014. They need chemical weapons in case Israel decides they want to fucking attack Syria and nuke it, nuke it to hell. They need some kind of deterrent from that because uh israel is essentially a rogue nation in the middle east that just bombs whoever they want and you can imagine that some people are worried about this and scared and so but he, aside from all that assad just got rid of all his chemical weapons and the opcw verified all of this and look who they're trying to regime change now so kim jong-un must be looking at this and looking at the the track record of dictators who have voluntarily given up their WMD programs and they all seem to keep dying. So why the hell would he do that? That's what I can't figure out. Why would he think this is a good idea? Well, uh, listen to the beginning of the show then, because me and MC covered it. We think it's more, we think it's more of an emotional reaction by Kim Jong-un, not necessarily a political one, but the mere fact that he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, seeing the world for possibly the first time and getting out there and having fun, um, doesn't maybe doesn't want to be like the the dictator uh in charge as much as he once did maybe right like the the working theory is that he he enjoys the world um so he wants to kind of open up and and be more a part of it than you know isolated in his little world i know but it's it seems like a bad idea to give get rid of your wmd i mean it, it seems like an invitation to invasion yeah, but but if he if he gives it up and he opens up to the rest of the world, right? Maybe maybe they invade, maybe they don't. But the the invasion it wouldn't be a political invasion at that point, right? It would be like a spite invasion. He's like, no, 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 I'm I, I I've had a change of heart, and then now America again looks like the bad guy for invading you know a, invading a sovereign country, right? We would take whatever you will. Um, who's voluntarily trying to get better. I mean, even you just look at Iran, like they agreed to disarm, you know, we had the Iran nuclear agreement under Obama. It was, you know, one of his landmark things. 
all the other countries are on board with it. They think we should stay on. And then just Trump comes along, campaigns on, oh, this is a bad deal. Or, you know, I don't, I don't like this deal. And then now he's trying to get rid of it. Okay, so they get rid of their WMD. And now you're talking about bombing Iran? Like, fuck. It's like, it's literally the case that any country that gives up their WMD faces the threat of regime change. It's like clockwork. Yeah. It's a bad move. It's a bad, if you're a dictator, it's a bad move to get rid of your WMD. Like, that's yeah. literally the only thing keeping you from getting regime changed. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not disagreeing with you. It's, it's, it's why we don't invade Pakistan and we don't mess with Russia for the most part, right? Is because there's, there's, there's a war that should not be had, but they're willing to attack people. They're, they're willing to pick on the small kids, right, who don't have it or are willingly give it up, you know, because it's, it's a fight that's, you know, can be won. But the ones where you actually have a fight back, right, where you're, where, you know, they may bomb the United States, um, all of a sudden it's like, you know, let's, let's try other means of negotiations. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Let, let's, uh, let's not get too crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on Syria? Oh, no, just that. I just think All right. the Americans are dumb for believing in that. All right. I got to wrap the show then because that's the, the time we have and we both got other things to do. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, you guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Uh, we post the show prep in the groups page. Uh, so if you want to join the discussion there, that's where to post your comments like Bronsanto did. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash anarchist experience. Uh, and if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, Patreon is a place to go. Patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.